Greetings on this good day that the Lord has made. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. Our program is presented by the International Disciple-Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. I encourage you to learn more about the amazing work we're doing all around the world. You can go to traincpe.org, traincpe.org, or you can follow all the links at our webpage, breadoflifeboise.org. There you'll also learn about our Missions Church Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, and it's from that fellowship that we share with you God's Word today. Recently, we considered what Jesus taught about God. Today, we start a new conversation of what Jesus taught about Himself. And as we go forward, we ask the Holy Spirit to guide our thoughts aright so that what we say may be worshipful and worthy of our Lord. Let me read to you one scripture verse just to set up our message for today, and then we'll proceed. It's John chapter one, verse 18. John writes, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. Last week we spoke about what Jesus taught about God, and this week we're gonna speak about what Jesus taught about himself. On more than one occasion when you read the New Testaments, we have these accounts where the Lord Jesus will heal an individual or the Lord Jesus will give some great manifestation of himself and then right after that he will instruct those that he's healed or that he's revealed himself to that they're to remain silent. So the Lord Jesus will touch and heal a leper and then tell him not to tell anyone but to go to the priest and present himself that he's been made clean. And the Lord Jesus will heal the deaf and dumb man and then he will instruct all those who are witness to that fact that they should not proclaim that he is the Messiah. Actually, in Mark chapter 7, it says the more that he charged them, in other words, he didn't just tell them once, he told them multiple times, the more he charged them, the more they proclaimed who he was or what they had concluded who he was. When he raised the synagogue ruler's daughter, Jairus' daughter, from death, he told the mother and father that they were not to tell anyone what he had done, and I think they did anyhow. When he was walking with his disciples, and after the Lord Jesus had, in a sense, revealed himself, he asked his disciples what it was or who it was that people said that he was, who he was. What was the conversation about him? And the disciples said, well, some say that you are John the Baptist, and others say that you are the prophet Jeremiah or the prophet Ezekiel. And Jesus said to them, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah. And the Lord Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. There's a conversation that took place after that. And then at the end of the conversation, we read that he strictly charged his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. They were to be quiet about these things. When demons would see the Lord Jesus coming and the Lord Jesus would be at that point where the Lord Jesus would cast them out of the individuals that they were possessing and oppressing, they would cry out things like, I know who you are, you're the Holy One of God. And the Lord would command the demons into silence. Jesus did not encourage during the time of his earthly sojourn that others should publicly identify who he was. Now, that said... Our Lord was himself quite vocal, actually very vocal, in speaking of himself and of his identity. You might remember at his trial that he remained silent when people asked questions as to who he was when they called upon him to identify himself. 
But his silence was not because he did not want them to know. His silence was because he had said these things over and over and over again. He had declared these things and he had declared himself before the multitude and he had declared himself in the temple as a part of his teaching and they had not listened and they had ignored it and he had made himself known by his works and he brought to witness the testimony of his works and the testimony of his father who gave him those works to do and they wouldn't listen. Jesus' silence was not because he had not spoke about these things but because he had And they had refused to hear him, and so now he would not answer them in the position as they were in the position of accusers and judges. Last week what we said of the Lord Jesus was that when he spoke of God, he did not speak directly about God or systematically about the nature of God. He only spoke about God, God's nature, as a way of relating it to the needs of the people or the persons with whom he was teaching. And yet, this is not the case in how the Lord Jesus spoke about himself. When the Lord Jesus spoke about himself, he was quite vocal and persistent in putting before others his identity and what he was to accomplish for them. And for this reason, we have to kind of understand, well, we have to actually look, what was the reason why the Lord Jesus spoke so often of himself? That this is such a common theme in his his teachings. And I'm going to share with you three reasons why I think this is the case. I'm going to give you two now, and at the end of the message, I'm going to give you a final reason But here's the first reason why Jesus spoke much of himself. It's because he knew the questions that people were asking themselves around him. They were asking themselves, who can this man be? On more than one occasion, they were actually asking themselves, who does he think he is? But that's what was going through their minds. Upon hearing his authoritative teaching or witnessing some power that he had over darkness or watching him as he conducted his miracles or seeing him as he assumed the right and the authority to go and cleanse out the temple, or the authority to forgive people of their sins who hadn't sinned against him. Remember when the lame man was lowered down in the Lord Jesus' presence, and as he's being lowered down, the Lord Jesus said to the lame man, your sins are forgiven you. And they said, who is he? Who does he think he is? Only God can forgive sins. They were saying it to themselves, the Bible says. They were thinking in their minds, the word teaches us. But the Lord Jesus knew their thoughts. He knew what they were thinking. He knew what the essential question was that they were asking. And so, throughout Christ's instruction and throughout Christ's teaching, he was consistently and constantly answering the question that was rising up on the hearts and souls of people. Individuals were flocking to Jesus to hear him and teaching and to hear his instruction But they weren't primarily going there in order to get some great moral instruction from him. They were actually going in order that they might begin to understand who it was he was, who he was, how to identify him. They were actually wondering to themselves if he was the one, the one who has come to save them and rescue them from their bondage. If he was the Messiah, that's the real question you're asking. They were asking, is this the one? And as a result of such questioning, the Lord Jesus, knowing this, spoke much of himself and did much to answer those questions. He actually did. You'll read it. As you read, one of the things I'm going to ask you to do, if you get time this week, is get a red-letter edition to your Bible and begin in, in Matthew and just read the red letters. Now, that's not always the way that you should read it, but just for this occasion, just read through the red letters. You might even go to the Gospel of John and start there. And you will be astounded if you were then to, in a sense, quantify the percentage of time, particularly in the book of John, in which the Lord Jesus is speaking directly to himself and his identity. 
And you'll see that it's the majority of his words speaking of himself. Here's a second reason that Jesus spoke much of himself, and it was simply this. Beyond those who were merely curious, the Lord Jesus knew that there were those that were gathering around them that had a deep personal longing to identify the Savior. These individuals were longing and looking for one who would be the answer to the deep, great desires of their hearts. And to them, the Lord Jesus did not withhold his identity. And he also did not withhold from them, contributing to them an understanding of what, or communicating to them an understanding of what it was that he potentially could contribute to their lives. They were longing for a Savior, and he was revealing himself to them, and they were longing for that Savior to meet some deep, aching voids in their life, and he was telling them what it was he was going to do for them. And he did this often and regularly. Actually, let's make this, in a sense, what Jesus taught about himself. Let's make these the first two points. Who is this one, or is this one the one? Is this the one? And the first point is this. Jesus openly taught that he was the Messiah. He taught that he was the Messiah. He was the one. He was the awaited Savior of Israel. And second, he taught much of his potential contribution as the Messiah to human existence. He taught much of his potential contribution to human existence. Let's look at the first one here. He taught that he was the Messiah. In John chapter 4, we have the account of the Samaritan woman. We mentioned her last week. And drawing in that conversation, towards the end of that conversation with the Samaritan woman, she expressed to the Lord Jesus her desire to know where she could go to worship God. Jews say that God is to be worshipped in Jerusalem, and our fathers say that God is to be worshipped in this mountain, and she's actually saying, where can I go to meet and worship God? Here was a woman who was a reject from her own society because of the sinful life she had lived. Here was this poor, sinful, uneducated woman. And as we mentioned last week, the Lord gives to this one woman the one definitive statement that he makes that you read in the Gospels in which Jesus speaks definitively of the nature of God. And he gives it to this poor woman. And he says to her, listen to me, woman. God is spirit. And those who worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. Basically saying God is able to be met by you in any place. Were you ready to come honestly and truthfully before God, you can meet him? This struck a chord of hope in this woman. This struck a chord of longing in her heart. And so she responds in John chapter 4, verse 25 by saying, I know that the Messiah, the Savior, is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he'll teach us all things. Oh, I like what you're saying. Jesus, I know that when the Messiah comes, he'll make this clear to us. He'll explain this to us. But this sounds so good. And the Lord Jesus responds to her statement by simply saying to her, I who speak to you am he. I'm the one you're waiting for, and I've told you. She runs into the community and tells everybody that this one has made all these things that she's ever done in her life known to her. Can this not be the Christ, she says. And they rush out to meet the Lord Jesus. In John chapter 9, we just read this in our scripture reading, we have the story of a man who had been born blind, and the Lord Jesus finds him outside the temple precincts, and the Lord Jesus heals him. And the testimony of this man is that not only has he been healed, but he believes that the one who healed him was righteous. He actually infers that this righteous man now is the one he's going to follow. When the Pharisees and the spiritual leaders are interrogating him as to who healed him and why he was healed and how he was healed, He gives an answer and they don't like it. Ultimately, they conclude, well, you have to give glory to God because this one who healed you has to be a sinner. 
He said, well, I don't know if he's a sinner or not, but I know that I was blind and now I see. And why are you asking me again these questions? Do you want to be his disciple also? And that phrase also threw them off because they had determined that anyone who was a follower of Jesus Christ was to be thrown out of the synagogue and thrown out of the place of worship in Israel. And so they cast this man who had been blind and now sees out of the place of worship. They basically excommunicate him from the faith of Judaism. And the Lord Jesus goes and finds this man and he asked this man this question. Do you believe in the Son of God? That's how it reads in the King James and most of the manuscripts which reflect probably what was in the original manuscript. They say, they say, he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Really, in a sense, is inconsequential because both of these names were popular names for the Messiah. One speaks of his kingship, the Son of God, and the other speaks of the fact that he is, in a sense, the epitome or the perfect man who has come to rescue all men, the Son of Man. And this once blind man who now sees says this to the Lord Jesus. Who is he, Rabbi, or who is he, Lord, that I might believe him? Again, the touch that's been upon his life and the healing that's come upon his life has only created a greater longing and yearning within his heart. He wants to know God and he wants to know God's salvation. Tell me who he is that I might believe in him. And Jesus gives him this self-revealing word. You've both seen him and he is the one who is talking to you now. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. First, go to traincpe.org, traincpe.org, to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.